in New Orleans Garden District. We're at Commander's Palace, where we're live out to lunch with Peter Raschuti, the Assistant Dean of Tulane University's Freeman School of Business and award-winning journalist Kathy Finn. Peter and Kathy meet here for lunch once a week and each invite a friend from the world of New Orleans business. So here we go, live from their weekly lunch table upstairs in the lovely Coliseum room at Commander's Palace. It's Peter and Kathy with business, New Orleans style. Hi, and welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. Kathy Finn is off today, and I've invited uh, an old friend of mine, Tim Williamson from Idea Village. Tim, good to have you. Peter, great to see you. You know, I've been wanting to do this show for a long time. Uh, Tim was my very first student at Tulane 25 years ago in the business school, and um, I am incredibly proud of him. He went on to find uh, Idea Village, which has been a, such a huge success. Idea Village has done more, I think, than any other single endeavor in New Orleans to change the type of business that is done here, and perhaps equally important, to transform the perception of New Orleans business. In the course of lunch, uh, Tim will be interested to learn just how you did it and what Idea Village is up to uh, right now. And uh, well, we usually stop here to take a little look at uh, Tim of local business, and one of the things that I guess that is on everybody's mind is this Occupy New Orleans. Have you seen those folks downtown? Uh, I have, I have. And yeah. uh, I don't, I don't know. They're in every city. I just came back from Philadelphia. They were all around uh, City Hall. It seems like they've got uh, some some beefs about uh, the economic. Uh, Oh, disparity, I guess, in the United States. You think that's pretty much what it is? or seems like it. And I guess uh, it's a movement they're trying to start. Do you think if it's going to catch hold or not? Do you think it's going to keep going, or do you think they can get it done? I don't know. I'm surprised it's kind of lasted as long as it has, but it seems to be getting uh, some momentum. We saw it first on Wall Street, yeah. uh, Occupy Wall Street, but uh, it'll be interesting to see where this this all comes from. They're starting to get more attention. At least they're... they're their points, their issues are starting to get out in the news. So I guess that's uh, that's probably what they wanted more than uh, more than anything else. Um, well, let's talk about Tim, his idea of village, because uh, when you first came to me, and this was funny because I remember when you first came to me with this idea, and I just sounded so foreign, frankly. Uh, the idea, I understood the idea of an incubator and such, but you're more than that. How, first of all, tell me how it all got started. Okay. Well, um, as you know, after I graduated from Tulane, uh, I moved to New York. I worked on Wall Street uh, in 1997, and that started a journey around the country uh, where I started several companies in uh, Boston, Atlanta, and Pittsburgh and moved back home. So the Idaville started actually by moving home in 98, and uh, there were several other entrepreneurs who had started companies. I had started a technology company called InsideNewOrleans.com. Uh, There's another gentleman started NOLA.com, and the other guy started NewOrleans.com, and we were all competing over nothing, really. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was an early, <laughs> early ages. But what we realized together, we were part of that group that left in the mid-'80s. We're all actually you know, from New Orleans, went to different high schools, but we left New Orleans in the mid-'80s like everyone else. I think over 41,000, 22, 35-year-olds left Louisiana uh, in the 1990s. This is the brain drain that everybody This is the brain about. drain. And, and, Peter, for the first time, we got to see New Orleans externally. Um, and we loved it. It's the greatest cities in the world, but there are problems. And so the conversation it brought us to a bar. Uh, we all went to a bar, and we tried to figure out what's the problem. Why is everybody leaving? You know, and this um, was, was, was a, a trend, if you remember, was so negative here. Uh, and then the, re the, prob the reason was it was bad education. Uh, there was no jobs. There was corruption. And that became a cycle that was going down. No one would come here because of that. So in, in a late night, the conversation was, how do you reverse that? How do you reverse decades of decline? How do you reverse brain drain? And how do you create a better city? And we felt, in a, in a very simplistic way, we need to find new leaders. Um, and those leaders would have to be entrepreneurs. If we could identify entrepreneurial talent, 
if we could support them and, and support with capital, technical assistance, or whatever it may be, a therapy, whatever they need, but more importantly, if we could keep them in New Orleans, if we could keep entrepreneurs in New Orleans, they would do several things. They would attract new capital, uh, probably not from New Orleans, but they would bring in money, they would bring in people, and they would start to create jobs. Um, all net new jobs are created by companies in less than five years. And then this that's group... That's an interesting statement right there, because we always think of the... Traditionally, everybody wants those big companies, but those aren't the ones creating the jobs, are they? All net new jobs in the last five years were started by companies with less than five years. So the job creation is from startups. But we also felt if we could create a cluster of, of entrepreneurs, you would create new jobs and new wealth. And then those folks would take on the problems. They would solve education. They would solve economic development. They'd solve community development because they were innovative. We just need new thinking. So the Idea Village was about, in a sense, starting a movement, just like we talked about the Occupy. Right. Um, there was nothing grander than that, that if we could bring together entrepreneurs and if we could build a network of the business community, government, and universities to singularly focus on being that village, that support system that would identify, support, retain, we could start to create some positive change. So. Um, it was not from the top down. This was five guys in the entrepreneur, uh, five guys in the bar. We put up two thousand dollars each to do a business planning contest. That's how it started over eleven years ago. Wow! And in the beginning, did you was there uh, was there opposition? You always hear of New Orleans being kind of like the old guard running running the town. I mean, did you get support or opposition from that area? Or? I, um, I, I guess the one thing we really missed because uh, we thought it was such an easy message that we just wanted to retain talent, we wanted to create jobs and, and build new businesses and keep kids. But what we found is a lot of people didn't, were scared of that. Um, there was a closed network, and this is pre-Katrina, there was a closed network here that was scared of new ideas and change. And as we were talking about new ideas and new companies and, and capital and new jobs, there was a fear we felt in opposition that, you know, what if we brought in uh, a whole new group of people that created new wealth and, and the dynamics would change here? So we had tons of opposition. Um, which actually fueled us. I will say that the day that the Idea Village started, really, if you break down the story, uh, we met with a business leader, um, originally presenting the idea, and he said there was no money for this, and we said, well, okay. He was the head of the chamber, and we said, okay, well, would you house this in your place? Because you're the big chamber, you're the big leader, and he said, we don't have any space, which is not true. <laughs> so we went back to him about six weeks later and said, Bob, would you just endorse this entrepreneurship? Because we really believe that you know, you're the leader, we need your endorsement and validation. He said, let me think about it. I said, what exactly do you have to think about? He goes, Tim, what if it fails? And so, Peter, that was the day <laughs> the idea village really started, because here's a business leader telling a bunch of young entrepreneurs, what if something fails? And we thought, that should never ever happen again. So we waged war against him a little bit. So what we ha he was our enemy, <laughs> that, and we sent him an email message out to some key leaders to say, never ever in the city should the leadership tell young entrepreneurs, what if it fails? We need to, we need, th this is the problem. So we, that became sort of our calling card or our movement to, and we found some, the emerging leaders in the business community who wanted to do something different. Uh, the city of New Orleans partnered with us in 2003, and then in 2004, Tulane and UNO came on board. So it was, like you talk about the Occupy Wall Street, it was a movement. Um, we really were trying to build a, a place where entrepreneurs and new people could come in. And more importantly, we felt that this group was going to change New Orleans. And what's great, 11 years later, we're starting to see some of that start to come to fruition. It really is. I mean, we're seeing uh, national recognition in these magazines as New Orleans being a... First of all, why is New Orleans a good place for entrepreneurs now? I know when you started, there was a lot of barriers. But right now, why is it a good spot? Well, the, the buzzword now is ecosystem. Um, and what, what New Orleans has built in the last 10 years, and I think really since Katrina as well, 
is this interconnected network or ecosystem of the business community, folks in the government, folks with the universities, and now it's folks from around the country. You know, we have relationships with Google and Salesforce and Harvard and Stanford and TPG and Redpoint. There's now this network in place that is singularly dedicated towards helping entrepreneurs and really saying not what if it fails, what if it works. So what's remarkable, and the reason why New Orleans is ranked the number one brain magnet in the country, number two in jobs, and why it was just ranked by uh, Under 30 Magazine CEO as a number one place for young entrepreneurs, because right now we have one of the most interconnected, vibrant networks to support entrepreneurs. And from Regina Wing to Launchpad to New Orleans Innovation Center to Tulane, there's truly this collaborative spirit, and, and in some ways competitive, a competitive collaboration to help an entrepreneur. So if you're an entrepreneur with a, a crazy idea, there's more people trying to help you, support you, keep you, elevate you. They're naming buildings after them. I mean, uh, Nick Perkin of Receivables Exchange, they took, you know, they took the old Chevron building and called it their, this, uh, New York's Exchange building. Yes. So, so, Peter, there really is why entrepreneurs are attracted, A, um, in other cities, um, people letting go of jobs is an economic recession. Um, it's quite expensive to live in New York, Boston, San Francisco, and New Orleans is now popping up as an incredible place that if you are an entrepreneur or you have a big idea, we're, we're just inviting you in. Um, there's, there's capital, there's people, there's networks, and there's a belief that we're in a historic time in our city where you could actually be part of reinventing an American city. So it's sort of the, the confluence of a lot of different things. And I think there now is, to answer your question, this network in place to say, you know, what if it works? And what if we can help your idea? And what if, you know, you could build the next Fortune 500 company out of New Orleans? Or what if you could na have a building named after you? And what's great, Peter, these entrepreneurs now are coming together. Um, and they're working together and they're helping the new entrepreneurs. So it's, it is a very, very special time. And it's a place the, the rest of the countries look around saying, how are you doing it? because everyone's trying to figure out how to do this, but New Orleans is ahead of the country here. And Chris Schultz was on uh, last week and he said something very interesting. He said in other towns, um, there's a real sense of com a competition. Here there's a sense of competition, but there's also a sense that these entrepreneurs are trying to help each other and he doesn't see that anywhere else. Well, it, it really is, and it goes in that moment in time where I think that this, the, the entrepreneurial community right now uh, feels like it's a moment of time where we are creating something that will last for generations. And it's starting to work. So I, you know, I live in a bubble because I see every day that the companies are hiring people. Uh, 13 of our companies have hired over 250 people in the last year. And these are 250 quality jobs, yeah. you know, a minimum of 60, 70, 80, potentially $150,000. New people have come into the city. They have plans to hire another 167 people in the next year. So they're aggressively hiring. They've raised about $25 million in capital and only 12% is local. And that's, that's actually good news because you have companies like Redpoint and Bain and, and the Kraft family who are investing in New Orleans entrepreneurs and keeping them These are the, uh, the guys that own the Patriots? The, guy, the guys that own the Patriots bought na into Naked Pizza, uh, if you can believe it. So, so Peter, what you're seeing is this, this group of folks that... Um, are coming together, and it is like, a, in a sense, it's like a startup. The, the entrepreneurs feeling we're part of a startup city, and we're able to. We're we're now observing the new leaders emerging. Uh, one of these folks uh, are going to either go public or get bought out, and you're going to have a whole new generation of millionaires in here that all they're going to do is start new companies. So, it, that's I think why you're seeing this this group's coming together because it's much bigger than all of us or much bigger than any one company. You know, we talked to so many people about uh, Katrina and how it affected, but nothing, Tim Williamson's angle on it's got to be more interesting than the rest. You had 
certain amount of momentum going in there. Yeah. Um, you had, what, six years or so you were... Yeah. And then when that happened, did you think this was the end? For, or did you not know it was going to happen? And what really happened? Actually, and I tell you, the day after Katrina, we were here the first day. You know, we believed that entrepreneurs could create change. That was the fundamental belief of why we started the Idea Village. And the day after Katrina, I, I was thinking about this is a way to validate that. Because the first people who came back were the entrepreneurs. And everyone basically was an entrepreneur after Katrina. Everyone was starting over. Whether it was your business or your, a school or the government or your home or your grandma, everybody was doing something new or, or starting over with limited resources with uncertainty. And, that, and there was this feeling that it, it was a true pioneering spirit. So we walked up and down Magazine Street and Slim, Kappa Horn, Slim Goodies, was the first restaurant to open up. We gave her $2,000 or something. But she was a catalyst to restart that, that street and Fret Street and Oak Street. So the first thing is, the spirit of entrepreneur was unleashed after Katrina because everyone was trying to figure out how to do something. And, and, and there was a sense of urgency and fear and all the things that entrepreneurs feel. So I think New Orleanians started to realize what entrepreneurship was and how important it The second thing is those networks that we talked about were fractured and we became a global city that moment. So um, the, 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 the way business was done was no longer dying that way. And we started get, building relationships, as I said, with Google and Stanford and Harvard and folks from all around the world were coming here to help. We were just gearing them into helping entrepreneurs. So the networks in place now are global. So it, it, it's not like who you know, what high school you right. went with. Um, it, it's a whole different thing. And third thing, if New Orleans were a startup city, everything was on the board. And so every single problem that we had are not New Orleans specific, but we get a chance to solve it. And there's something about the people who are attracted here think they can change the world. And the reality is we can. If you actually solve a problem here in New Orleans, you can solve it all around the world. So there was this moment of time where it really, Peter, was one of those lifetime things that it's like building the band. You can see this is the, the band from all around the world. We're coming, you know, coming <laughs> to New Orleans, and, and they're starting to, in a sense, play music together. So that's why all this is happening. Um, I think the good news is, is that the entrepreneurial ecosystem started five years before Katrina. Um, so there was a, a network in place to capture all this. But right now, we're seeing it starting to scale and starting to work. And that's why, the, 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 you know, back to New Orleanians is that What's funny is that when I go around the country, Stanford, Harvard, Google, the folks in the White House, they believe New Orleans is a model city. They see, they look at the numbers from the Brookings Institute, we're 40% above the country, the jobs, the, the, the metrics. New Orleanians are still cynical. We, we still are oh, so really... This is getting a better reception outside town than inside in some It's way. sort of like, you know, did the Saints really win the Super Bowl? <laughs> is, is it possible? But... Um, so there is an opportunity, I think, where we need to engage local New Orleanians into this entrepreneurial movement because, A, it's fun to see these kids start uh, or see these young companies start and grow. But what we have a chance to do is make entrepreneurship part of what we do, part of our culture, part of how our kids should grow up. It's okay to take a shot. It's okay to fail. Um, and I don't think we had that in the last 50 years. We were scared to fail. You know, and, and when, when uh, that's one of the things I've always liked about American entrepreneurs, and I don't think this is true around the world, it, there's a certain... There's a certain something to have, have failed a few times. I mean, yeah. that's kind of uh, when, when great great leaders come to Tulane to talk, one of the first things they lead with is the first two or three unbelievable disasters, and, and it made them stronger. They learned something, and and move forward. What about, what is, how would you walk through kind of a simple uh, part? A guy's got an idea for a, a company and he comes 
to the Idea Village, what happens? Yeah. Well, we, we've organized ourselves in an annual season. So if we have a Mardi Gras season or a Saint season, we now have an entrepreneur season. So from July to October, um, entrepreneurs can apply. Uh, they submit a simple application about what their idea is and what their solution is. And then we meet with every entrepreneur. So they, you come in and make a pitch. Uh, you have an executive summary of PowerPoint. And the first thing we do is help you with your pitch because we realize most of the pitches aren't that, you know, sure. don't really make sense. But we, we try to figure out what the idea really is. And then once after we do that, we accept you into our program and we spend two to four hours really identifying a key issue you're trying to take on. Because most entrepreneurs, A, don't know what they don't know. Uh, but secondly, trying to figure out what is that very specific catalytic project that we could do this to, to change your business. Um, and then what we then, once we figure it out, from October to March, is we put a team on it. So we're simply just like a startup team. I have you know, a small staff. We bring in uh, successful entrepreneurs. We have lawyers, accountants, people all around the world. But we're part of the entrepreneur startup team. And from October to March is when we work with them on that project, on those issues. And the goal is by um, uh, New Orleans Entrepreneur Week, which is in March, is to get that entrepreneur ready to be in front of a stage, or whether it's investors or be in front of partners. And the goal is by then to get them to the point where they can sort of get ready to scale. So it's in a very intense six months um, where the entrepreneur has a village around them. And we're meant to be part of the startup team. Uh, we do not take equity. We don't take any fees. We're here that, to be part of the team. But come March... That's when we get out. You know, in a sense, we, we introduce them to the city. Uh, we built their networks. We built their business, built their plans, and now it's their time to do it. And then how does, um, how does ID Village get paid, I guess? We beg. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, a long-standing <laughs> tradition. That's fine. Well, you know, when we started, when we set this thing up, we had some core principles. One is this had to be an independent entity that no one could own. In order to truly build, a, a, the, to start this movement, we had to build an independent organization that not one person can control. So we're a 501c3 nonprofit. Okay. Uh, we have... Now, uh, for most people, that means when you contribute to you, you can write it off? You can write okay. it off. All right. Um, and we do not have any major donors. So when we first started out, we self-funded it because uh, some people want to give us money and they want to control it or they want to have access to the deals yeah. or something like that. So to answer your question, over 70% of our funding now is non-local if you can believe it, uh, we'll generate most of our funding. I think this year will be 60% of it will be self-generated fees because uh, we put on, it's, it's, I'll use another analogy, it's like a jazz fest. We have an annual f festival, so we have sponsorships and fees. Um, and our entrepreneurs, we don't charge up front. What they do actually is they, they pay on the back end. It's like a pay it forward. So um, uh, we have a, about 10% or 20% of our budgets coming from our entrepreneurs who are donating back to the next entrepreneurs. But um, we have relationships with uh, the Economic Development Administration, uh, Google, uh, and we have local CEOs and folks. So this is just, it's, it's a, no one owns it, but yes, everyone supports it. And this is becoming um, like a, it, it can be sustainable if the community, this is what we do. So and what's, what, what's in this season, I guess? What do you, what do you see? Are there some interesting companies that are coming oh, towards yeah. you? Well, we, we started it. We've had over 420 entrepreneurs who've come to us or registered Whoa. in the last year. We've met with 155 of them. Um, and the entrepreneurs we're, we're identifying now, one is uh, there's, there's a great cohort in water. Uh, so we're identifying entrepreneurs who have big ideas and living with water. So it's a big problem here. So let's wow. solve it. Um, Education is something we're looking at. So you're seeing these folks from TF Teach for America who are working these charter schools, seeing some problems and some great solutions. So one of our uh, success stories is Jen Mayberry from Kickboard. 
and she's a teacher who built a software program to help teachers manage their classes. So we're starting a, a cohort in education. Um, we're working with Tulane. They have eight technologies we're working on at Tulane that we're working with. And then we have a general cohort for just big ideas, whether it's a naked pizza or a Cordina margarita, just general ideas. So we're seeing this year um, um, folks who are experienced. These aren't young kids. Um, we have folks who've been involved with Homeland Security who are working on disaster management projects. Um, they're all first-time entrepreneurs, but not uh, young people. So this year we're very excited. We're going to identify it's going to be 35 different companies we're directly working with. And then we launch also an education program uh, where every week we have different seminars for about 500 people this year. So we'll work with about 550 entrepreneurs this year. And, and Tim, give me the you, – you take them in that initial part. You kind of fine-tune them, give them some – some uh, some points in terms of uh, the way they're going to present themselves to investors and all. What's next for them after you, your stage is done? Well, our goal, if you look at it, our goal is is to be part of that startup team and to connect them into a point where they have uh, a professional network. So w- our goal is once they finish our program, they should either get funding or generate revenue. And not everyone's trying to raise money, they're just trying to revenue. But at that point, they need to start to hire. So they will need to start to hire their marketing person or their accountant or their finance person or their lawyer. And the goal is to, for them to have their team in place to start to scale. Um, where we, our mission is to identify, support, and retain. And on that retention side, we do build work with them as alumni to work with them on how do we keep them here. Because an entrepreneur's problems begins when they start to make money. Yeah, no. they got to hire you, people, you right? You think that would be the sentence, yeah, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, now, you know, uh, one of our companies, Cordina Margarita, went from 138,000 sales. I think they'll do $5.5 million this year. In, in the last two and a half years, uh, they've hired 44 people. That's 44 people they got to manage, right? And, right. Um, so it's, it's connecting them on a higher level. Uh, we connect them into the community for leadership opportunities. Uh, we do uh, cohorts with the entrepreneurs themselves. So, you know, our job's really not over until they liquidate. If that makes sense, you know. And, and give me an example of, for listeners, a couple of great ones that have come through. Well, one of the, the sexiest ones right now, the most interesting, is Naked Pizza. Uh, and the way they, we worked with them in 2009, they, they had this idea. They're on Claiborne Avenue. Uh, they started right after Katrina. One guy was a mortgage uh, broker. Another guy was an anthropologist. Um, <laughs> the traditional set, right here, sure. So, and, um, but, but their belief is that we as human beings are not eating healthy. So they came up with, uh, at that time, the world's healthiest pizza. That was the name of the company, which wasn't the best name. So we introduced them to a, a marketing genius, uh, Robbie Vetrano, and together they came up with Naked Pizza, right? <laughs> but, but, and then Mark Cuban came to him and said, hey, I love your idea. I'll fund you if you get your sales up in 90 days. And this is Mark Cuban that owns the basketball team. Basketball team, okay. right. Yeah. And so they came to us. That was the challenge. What do we do to get our sales up in 90 days? So that's a very specific problem. And so we partnered them with DePaul University, brought down a team of, of eight MBAs. And for one week, their challenge was to solve that challenge. At the end of the week, they presented the concept of Twitter, this crazy new thing called Twitter <laughs> in 2009. And they had a crazy idea that Naked Pizza could build their sales through Twitter. And their idea was to take down the billboard in front of their sign and put up a Twitter board. And so they made that presentation, which was absolutely nuts in 2009. And we, uh, we gave them $20,000 uh, grant to do that. So they took down it, the sign, put up Twitter. And, and that's when Naked Pizza became a phenomenon. They are the first company to use Twitter. Um, but those guys are geniuses. They, they've done great things. They got funded by Cuban. Then the Kraft family out of uh, the Patriots, who own the Patriots, funded them. They have sold over 400 units worldwide. Um, They just opened up in Dubai. Uh, (laughs) They sold India. 
opened up in New York uh, last month. Um, they're one of the fastest growing companies. They've hired 42 people locally and I think 300 people around the country. Uh, I think this week they just opened a, a, a whole frozen pizza division. Um, but they're, they're a company, what I love about them is, you know, they're small, it started with two guys on Claiborne Avenue, but they had a big vision, big idea. And they're proving that you can do this in New Orleans. Who would have thought, really, Peter, that there'd be a healthy pizza company coming out of New Orleans, right? Right, right. But, but that means we can, and, and it's a global business in less than three years, but it, it, what's great about New Orleans, we can build global businesses from here. And you can still go to Mardi Gras, go to Jazz Fest, and have a great time. So See, they're, they're a great company uh, coming out of New Orleans. That is, that is fantastic. They, you know, if you, and you mentioned, and it's good the way you put that, Tim, that you know, we're not giving up what we love about New Orleans. I mean, it's not going to convert into a Charlotte, you know, to be a more of a business kind of thing. You're saying we can have it all. Well, well, one is, this is the coolest city in the world, right? <laughs> I, I mean, and when people see that because of technology, because of the way business is being done, people are choosing to live where they want to live. And more importantly, as we all know, New Orleans is such a special place where you're connected to this community, where there's a sense of place. You don't get that in Atlanta. You don't right. get that in, 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 in other cities around the country. So I think people are just feeling such an amazing connection to this community. But you can build a worldwide business here. And what's great now is New Orleans is on a global stage. So if you've got a great company, uh, you saw uh, Nick Perkins from Receivables Exchange. They, uh, the New York Stock Exchange bought a minority stake in that company. How amazing so he, is that? They started three years ago. Uh, they've got 65 people down there uh, in, in the CBD. Um, and they are now positioning New Orleans as a financial hub for the world. So, you know, the thought that a few people can create change is all, how it only happens. And the, the, the message is, it's happening. Um, but I would say it's not over yet. We need, to, we need to keep doing it and keep doing it. And it needs to be part of what we do as a community. Well, so it really is exciting. And I like the idea of maybe telling the local community how great things are, where the rest of the country already knows how, uh, how amazing we've, uh, we've become. I, it, Tim, this is... Uh, it's certainly, just personally, just great to see you again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, uh, this is part of the show. We usually talk about uh, a couple of the companies followed by the uh, Birkenrode Report students at Tulane. And uh, we had some news here this week. We, uh, one of our companies, uh, Superior Energy Services, which is a company headquartered on Poydras Street, uh, have their operations over in uh, Harvey. They bought a company called Complete Production Services. That was a, a big merger. That's, that is going to make this a lot larger company, a uh, much more international company. Uh, Wall Street didn't like the deal when it was initially announced. They maybe thought they paid too much uh, uh, for it, but it's going to be another big company here in Louisiana. We talked about all those companies, Tim, that left for Houston, and here we are building companies right here. Uh, I think this is going to be a, a real big positive. I remember when we first visited with them, uh, Terry Hall was the CEO, and they were just a couple of guys uh, over in uh, a shipyard over at Harvey. So we've seen a lot of successes, uh, both private companies, both public companies, and uh, and so I wanted to thank you for, for coming here today, uh, you know, out to lunch. It seems to have grown, uh, this has flown by way too quickly, so I, I hope to see you outside of the show here, but, uh, and I'd love to schedule another lunch uh, sometime and really have you be a very much a part of our show. I mean, if you look at who our guests have been, a lot of them have been Idea Village people, so. Uh, well, we'd love to. We're starting our new season uh, this month. We'll have 35 more companies. We'd love to bring them by. Uh, we have companies who are succeeding. And Peter, I remember when Berkman Report was your idea. I remember sitting in your kitchen. You said, I got this crazy idea. That's right. So, so we, we both saw each other. <laughs> so it's great to from see you start. as well. Thank you, Tim. And Out to Lunch is recorded uh, live uh, 
At Commander's Palace in New Orleans Garden District, Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday, with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of Out to Lunch is Grant Morris. Our executive producer is Tanya Castaneros. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our web designer and digital guru is Cliff Brigden. Mitch Foreman wrote and is performing our theme music. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. You can keep up uh, with our continuing adventures in commerce by liking It's New Orleans on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on iTunes, and check us out and our other shows on itsneworleans.com. These include Happy Hour and a brand new show called Mindset. Uh, Thank you to our friends at WWNO, New Orleans source for NPR News, and thank you for joining us for lunch today. Until we meet around the table at Commander's Palace next time, I'm Peter Raschuti.